This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. Welcome back to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast. Brought to you with the Jazz FM Business Breakfast. And now available on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Johnny Hart. Each week, we review the stories that made the business and market headlines. I can report to the British people that their hard work is paying off and the era of austerity is finally coming to an end. The Prime Minister pledged austerity is over. This, Mr Deputy Speaker, is a broken promise budget. Since the nature of EU withdrawal is not known at present, the monetary policy response won't be automatic. And today we're joined by Oanda Senior Market Analyst in London, Craig Erlim. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And joining us from Toronto and certainly going to be reflecting on those US employment figures, it's Oanda Senior Market Analyst Alfonso Esparza. How are you doing, Alfonso? Good, good. Happy to be here. Delighted to have you on today. Wages growing at their fastest pace for nine years last month, according to the latest figures. That's an acceleration from a rate of 2.8% before they're now at 3.1%. And the economy also added quarter of a million jobs, which was well ahead of analysts' expectations. How have markets responded to this news, Alfonso? It's a bit more muted, I guess, than if it was any other uh, week. I think the proximity of the U.S. midterms is limiting the the strength of the dollar just right away. We've seen it it was a massive number. And uh, last month, uh, there was a bit of underperformance. So that kind of explains that some of the the jobs that were re, that were supposed to be reported last month were, were passed over to this report. So we've seen uh, the unemployment rate stays the same, but wages, which is a big story, and it is a big story because it's tied to the Fed and their path of uh, interest rate hikes. That is sort of massive for the dollar. Maybe right now the market is not ready to deal with sort of the inflation part as we head into sort of the weekend ahead of the U.S. midterms on Tuesday. But that will be sort of the the evolution of the dollar. You would have thought, Craig, that that uh, robust pay growth keeps the U.S. central bank well on course to raise interest rates next month, surely. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the the meeting next month is pretty much guaranteed at this stage. I think the market turmoil could have uh, could it could have could have mixed it up a bit and maybe made their life a bit more difficult. And obviously, we're not going to see one next week. But um, I think now that markets have calm down a little bit and we've had a week of relative inactivity compared to what we've had the last few weeks from uh, to the downside in particular i think th- this 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 report really does just suggest that next month is pretty much uh, a given uh, i think my biggest takeaway though from the actual report itself was the composure shown in the markets was quite surprising because as you say quarter of a million jobs added albeit with extenuating circumstances uh unemployment still remaining at 3.7 percent wage growth the highest since 2009 for the markets not to respond too heavily to that, given the anxiety that exists in the markets, given that Jay Powell only a few weeks ago was effectively the catalyst for this sell-off um, when he talked about uh, more rate hikes to come, it was quite surprising that the markets took this so comfortably in their stride. I think that's really encouraging for investors who were potentially potentially still anxious about the potential for markets to uh, to decline um, in, in the coming sessions. Um, despite the fact that we've seen a little bit of stability. If it can take this in its stride and not respond negatively, then hopefully that's a positive sign. And Alfonso, you mentioned the midterm elections uh, next week. You can be sure that President Trump uh, is going to make all those headlines, uh, all the headlines he can from that quarter of a million job rise. 
Oh, for sure. I mean, that, that's going to be like a, his uh, proof that his his administration is doing a great job and basically that uh, they should vote more Republicans in to sort of continue the good, the good work that they're doing so far. Uh, it's funny that uh, Donald Trump actually kind of put the dollar in trouble as well, like pushing the, the trade war so high up in a sort of priority. And he's the one that de-escalated things a bit this week as well with just tweeting about it. Indeed. And uh, we've mentioned uh, the currency, uh, the dollar against the pound steady around about 130 at the moment. It's been up and down over the last uh, 48 hours for good reasons for the United Kingdom and uh, for not so good reasons for the United States. But they are recovering uh, those dollar figures because of the, uh, the news about the foreign relations between US and China on the trade deal, Craig. Yeah, um, it, it, the news overnight was quite encouraging, but I, I, I don't know. I, I think I've become very cynical uh, in recent weeks or in recent months, even uh, with regards to the timing of uh, certain news reports which are coming out. And this, I think, is a prime example of that. We're le- we're coming into the midterms. We're less than a week away from the, these midterm elections. Trump has seen the figures um, or, or from the polls, uh, which suggest that the Democrats could effectively unseat the Republicans, um, at least in uh, one, either the House or the Senate. And I think he's quite concerned. Now, he's tried to attribute um, other events to being behind uh, the polls uh, being as they are, which I don't really want to uh, go into specifically, as we've said on previous podcasts. I think these kind of grim events and uh, relating them back to markets and things like that is always uh, a bit more difficult. Um so he's tried to attribute uh, the, the drop-off in the Republican support to other other things. And now we're getting, the closer we get, the closer we get, the more I think he is getting a bit concerned. The timing of this is just perfect for him. By announcing the fact uh, that, that they've had a good discussion on trade and these reports being released that he's effectively asking his officials to draw up a draft plan for a trade deal with China, he's killing two birds with one stone. The markets rallied today. So we're seeing a market rallying into these midterms, recovering some of the losses which we've seen over the past few weeks. Dow and S&P dropping 10%, for example, even a little bit more. So he's, he's, he's covered that aspect, but also one of his uh, things of taking on China, it looks like he's now making progress after all this harsh rhetoric and hardline uh, stance. It now looks like he's making progress. Like it, it's actually quite, it's, it's actually a very intelligent move. But you do. Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm just uh, jumping in right here. I'm not as optimistic. I'm, I'm with you on sort of the being uh, pessimistic on rhetoric and what uh, politicians say. So, I mean, the, the, Pretty much the same applies to Brexit as I see with China, U.S. Uh, right now, there are some reports as well that uh, it might not be all rosy, and uh, it could be sort of some. It would be Trump, but more of an election mode, where what you say doesn't really sometimes have a lot of a lot to do with reality. So I think uh, the health of the trade negotiations might be a bit uh, a bit of a stretch. And I mean, we'll find out pretty soon. They uh, they meet in Argentina up for the upcoming G20, and we'll see if they have a, if they can get something done. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if they if these negotiations suddenly fall apart or we don't see any progress over the next few months, it doesn't really matter. The the narrative just has to be this way for the next six or seven days until the midterms pass, and then we can go back to normal. I think it, it did help the fact that uh, uh, Xi uh, in China did um, suggest that the the the, the discussions were positive but like i say if it is i think it's really worth noting if there is if this is a legitimate sign of progress then brilliant 
everyone wants to see progress between the US and China. Positive trade relationships between uh, relations between the two is beneficial for all. The timing is extremely curious for me and given everything well, I, that's I happening. I think he, he's delivering on everything sort of for his base. So this NFP number gives him sort of the jobs aspect. So yeah, bring him jobs. Uh, the easing of China concerns, it, it was a, a, just a, a breath of fresh air for the markets who were kind of struggling. So this kind of gives some oxygen. So he's delivering on sort of jobs, the market, and the caravan from the South America is giving him sort of a, a bit of a uh, immigration anxiety that his base really reacts to. So yeah, he's three for three. Yeah, I was going to ask point. you about that because the tone and the rhetoric uh, of the the caravan and the statements that he's been making haven't been winning him uh, many votes. That's the feeling I'm getting over the last uh, few days. But this is now the perfect storm because in those famous words, it's the economy stupid. This could make all the difference, couldn't it? The combination of the, this China-US uh, trade potential deal and the extra 250,000 jobs, US earnings, he may indeed get enough votes to make all the difference. I mean, he's doubling down on all the things that uh, sort of he's always been sort of keen on. And, 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 and the reason he, he's keen on is because his base really reacts to it. And I mean, that's the way he reached the White House and the, the way he sort of expects that it could work for the rest of the Republican Party. Yes, it's polarizing and it will definitely cost them some votes. But maybe, as you guys say, the economy will actually flip that sentiment and we're like, OK, well, I don't like his immigration stand, but I really like the economy uh, sort of uh, responding. So, yes, he's, he's in a good position right now heading into the midterms. Yeah, and that actually in itself raises two points. I mean, all we have to do is look at the election in Brazil, for example. We're looking at the character that has has been elected, Bolsonaro, and uh, he's a, he's effectively a known racist, known sexist, known um, uh, homophobe. Homophobe. Um, none of these qualities are someone you want in a leader. But when the economy is in dire straits, people will it's clear will clearly still uh, move to these people if they think they can sort out the economy, give them jobs, and give them uh, better uh, and give them better prospects at uh, the other side of this uh, the, the other side of this as well is and this is what we've talked about in the past with trump again we love in the the media loves to portray him and it's not just the media it's everyone around the media it's uh, people everywhere love to portray him uh, as a bit of an idiot i mean i think that's safe to say particularly outside the u.s um love to portray him as a bit of an idiot but one thing you can't uh, deny with trump is whether it's because of uh, who he is or whether it's because of who he surrounds himself with from a as a strategist He's doing extremely well. Everything he does has been very well planned so that it has the maximum impact. We've talked about the tax uh, reforms before, the timing of that in relation to starting this trade war with China and the benefits that that's given him. There's a number of these factors here where from a purely strategic point of view, and this is another example of that, giving this news in the lead up a week before these midterm elections from a strategic point is very clever. But he's quite lucky though, isn't he? Because he has inherited... Um, a growing economy from Barack uh, Obama. And, you know, you want your generals to be lucky. So far, so good for Donald Trump against many economists' expectations, Alfonso. I think there's a bit more uh, genius to uh, sort of his methods. I think uh, the China tweet, for example, it's a, it's a, it's a good uh, example right now. It, it happened this week. Everybody was sort of uh, still uh, concerned about uh, trade relations with uh, China, the two biggest economies duking it out. And so with a very simple tweet, which is basically his uh, now his style, he uh, put that on the back foot. It was just like, it's it's in the background. I mean, 
we're still talking, there's still a relationship, and that had a huge effect on the market. Yes, uh, earnings were still sort of a positives. There were there was a lot there going on, but the sell-off had a lot of people sort of anxious about their their investments, and so it could have continued uh, really into next week. So with a simple tweet, he basically just stemmed the tide of that and just flipped it around. Again, how much he gets to see or know about the jobs reports, I think it, it, it was it was pretty well known that it was going to be a positive number just because the the underperformance of uh, the two months ago. So this one was definitely had some momentum going. But so it was, this, uh, I think it was a safe bet for him to make just like, okay, we're going to have good jobs. Uh, I'm just, this might uh, help because it's going to put uh, people more at ease on uh, US China. And again, the immigration, it's three for three with the, the, the caravan from South America. And let's be honest as well, it's almost in a, a Xi Jinping's best interest as well to suggest these talks went well and the possibility for future improved trade relations um, is on the cards as well because Trump didn't use particularly harsh rhetoric against China in these statements or in any of the releases we didn't see particularly harsh uh, rhetoric against China. And from Xi Jinping's perspective, the economy is slowing. People's confidence in the Chinese outlook is dimming. We are seeing Chinese markets have been far worse hit by uh, by the, the this this trade war rhetoric. The currency is under pressure. It's around that seven handle, um, which um, is making people very nervous. The PBOC is repeatedly intervening in the market to stop the currency depreciating too much out of fear of capital outflows. So it's actually in Xi Jinping's interest as well to back what Trump is saying about these positive conversations about trade. Let's move the conversation on now. We've just talked about the UK currency and the pound has had a much better week amid optimism about a Brexit deal and signals uh, from the Bank of England that more interest rate hikes could be on the way. That is, of course, subject to securing a deal with the EU. It seems like a long time ago since the start of the week and we had actually had a budget it was Harold Wilson who said a week is a long time in politics. This has been a financial week is a long time in politics. Uh, what did you make of Philip Hammond's speech? Yeah, it's been a very long week, hasn't it? I mean, I'm, I, for one, am completely exhausted. and more than ready for this weekend. Um, Philip Hammond's speech, it, it was quite an interesting one. He, he followed the script, um, even the, at times, cringeworthy jokes, um, which we now almost associate with uh, conservative speeches. Uh, unfortunately, we've referenced the uh, one at the Tory party, the, the selection at the Tory party conference as well, which um, made me shrivel up and die yeah. a little bit. Gordon Brown was short on jokes, wasn't he, when he was chancellor? <laughs> um, and in terms of the actual budget itself, it's been well received. Um, it, it, it's quite safe to say. Um, the tax cuts are obviously controversial to an extent because, as always, they do tend to benefit the uh, better off in society rather than um, more so than the worse off. And, of course, raising the threshold does benefit the worse off as well. But in terms of who who benefits most, um, it always does tend to be at the higher end. There's a few bits of spending in there as well, which... Um, which uh, people have welcomed, although the numbers, when you're talking about, what, 400 million uh, for schools, which will help them buy those little extra bits and bobs or something that Philip Hammond said, which didn't go down too well uh, with the actual schools themselves because they need a hell of a lot more than bits and bobs. But the bulk of the uh, money was spent on the NHS, which came as a surprise to no one because Theresa May stole that particular headline. Um, I guess one of the more controversial things was to fix odds betting terminals uh, announcement, that being pushed back, which led to the uh, resignation uh, earlier on today or, or overnight from uh, the, I think it's the sports minister, um, who's been lobbying very strongly uh, for those um, 
betting the 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 the, uh, the maximum bet to be reduced from 100 pounds to two pounds successfully but this has now actually been pushed back to the uh to allow the firms more time to uh, adjust uh, but again that's a very controversial one because obviously it's again this is that's something that primarily affects the worst off in society and people who, who have very genuine gambling problems who can get themselves into extreme financial difficulty. I've got to move on to Brexit. And there's more optimism this week in terms of a deal being reached than I can remember for some time. Yeah, welcome to the final two months of negotiations, right? I think it's always been my base case that this was going to run to the end of the year and nothing I've seen recently has suggested that's going to be any different. Uh, there was the letter, of course, from Dominic Raab, which was a, a, a few weeks old, I believe, which suggested he was optimistic that a deal could be done by the 21st of November. But, I mean, it's now the 2nd of November. Come on. We're running I mean, that, out of time, aren't we? Very much running <laughs> yeah. out of time. But, but that, that, did, that, was, that, that effect, I mean, just drawing that line in the sand put the market in, in another... Uh, mode is just oh okay so they're really in the final stretch it just shows how sensitive markets are to the prospect of optimism and it shows as well how much upside and downside there is to be had by the deal going one way or another we were trading at 143.75 i think it was was the peak that we got to um a few months back uh when people were getting a bit more optimistic about a brexit deal that's the pound against the dollar we're now trading back at around 130 because it's drawn out and this this issue with the northern irish border and the backstop has really dragged things out the prospect of an deal has grown the downside is also really significant as well so any sense that we're going to get any move get quite a dramatic uh rise or drop in in the pound and that's what we saw on that date we also had the um the reports from the times uh, which suggested that theresa may had secured uh, a deal that goes alongside effectively brexit uh, for financial services um, under the equivalence uh, band uh, for the, for effectively for the for UK financial services firms to continue serving EU clients, negating the need for them to move people abroad. Now, obviously, some of them have already started moving some, so there is always going to be some loss. But if you can stem the bleeding, then I think that's going to be a very welcome move. Uh, that was denied by the EU and by the UK, but I think sides, that's yeah. very political because we have to remember that the EU has said from day one that we're not discussing a future relationship, a future deal until the exit deal is signed. Now, that's all right to say in public, and that effectively goes in line with what Article 50 says. But we can't be so naive as to think that these things aren't actually happening on the sidelines. And this is a prime example of the fact that the UK is saying to them, right, I agree that we need to discuss the exit first, but we need assurances on this part of our industry. Because ultimately, financial services is huge for the UK. The idea of an, an, an agreement on a future relationship not including it is absolutely preposterous because sorry preposterous because we run a trade deficit with the eu that includes financial services can you imagine what the size of that deficit would be if it didn't and the financial services industry accounts for 3.5 percent of uk employment this is according to a report for the city of london uh, by uh, conducted by pwc last year i believe 3.5 percent of uk employment 7.2 percent of uk output and 11 percent of uk tax receipts that's not a small industry that you can overlook in these negotiations i'm surprised that that didn't take uh, a lot of wind from the the pound sales i, th I thought that was gonna again if we're if the pound is rising based on sort of Brexit rumors at this point, I thought like a confirmation or denials from both sides would have uh, taken a, a, a toll on the pound, but it didn't. So that actually tells you sort of the timing was right. The dollar was also getting soft at around the same time. So it allowed the pound to keep rising. And it, it's basically right now on a holding pattern at 130 and probably into next week. And we'll see. Again, I think it's the optimism is a bit... Uh, 
too early. It's still not close. I mean, uh, we hear the figures. We hear it's 95%. It's 98%. It's going to be 99.9. But until it's really signed and there's details on what's actually being agreed, uh, then th there's uh, very few reasons to be like that optimistic. Yeah, I think there's two points to make on that as well, uh, on what you've just said. The first is the fact that this is a story that came out of absolutely nowhere and came from a very reputable source in the Times. So I think people are looking at this story and say, I know it's been denied, but there's no smoke without fire. There does seem to be some legitimacy to this. And that leads us on to the second point, which is the one I've effectively already made here, which is the EU and the UK can't be seen to be negotiating future trade terms because that goes against everything the EU said beforehand. So both are denying it, and I think they're denying it to cover up for the fact that they actually have been having these discussions on the sidelines so it benefits both to do so well, yeah, I think they, they only denied that the deal exists yeah but they that they didn't they didn't say anything about sort of the talks and then they say yeah we have plenty of talks so I think yes I think they're all preparing for what happens next after they solve the backs up quagmire so I think everybody once that's solved and then everything's smooth sailing the problem is that that hasn't been solved Finally, we should reflect on the news that uh, Angela Merkel is going to step down as the head of uh, her party. That's the centre-right Christian Democratic uh, Union. That will end almost two decades as leader of Germany's most powerful political party. And she's also confirmed what many had long assumed, that this is going to be her last term as uh, German Chancellor. She says that she's willing to remain Chancellor until the end of the current parliament in 2021, uh, but is she actually going to be able to survive that length of time, Craig? You know, the, 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 the term lame duck uh, comes to mind. Often you see a situation where somebody announces that they're going to retire or resign in a long term sense of the word and they just have to go earlier than planned. Yeah, I very much doubt that she's going to be here until the end of 2021. Uh, she's always been an advocate as well of whoever leads the party should be leading the country. Um, so the, the idea that she will continue in one role to the end makes makes me think that it, it, it's it's a little unlikely it's just a line that she's peddling for now until they find some uh, suitable leader to replace her uh, and i also uh, on the on the idea of whether it's the right time or not i think it's absolutely the right time i think for one she's earned a break i mean the last 10 years must have been a dreadful time to be leader of germany she's been the stabilizing force in, in europe uh, throughout the eurozone debt crisis throughout the global financial crisis we're still in recovery mode there let's not forget i think she's very much earned a break here and for, for all her faults and for all the things that she's uh, arguably done wrong and you can look at her role in the uh, greece bailout in this you can look at her role in the refugee uh, crisis uh, among other things you can't argue with the fact that she has been dealt an absolutely appalling hand and she's actually done uh, she is actually one of the primary reasons uh, her and her party are one of the primary reasons why the EU or why the Eurozone is still actually a thing. Um, the flip side to that is she is the face of the uh, refugee crisis, effectively. She was the one who advocated open borders. And while many people supported her at the time, and there's still people there who will support her now, it has led to her party suffering considerably in the polls, suffering considerably in elections, suffering considerably now in regional elections in Bavaria and Hesse, but it's also damaging the coalition as well because the sister party, the CSU, has also suffered in these elections. Uh, the CSU had the majority in Hesse, I think, um, und or was it Bavaria, until uh, until these most recent elections and lost that majority. 
and it's also as well hindering the SPD who they're relying on for a coalition. So I think it's the correct time for her to step aside. I think she's earned the right to step aside. And I think it's in the best interest of the German government the coalition remaining together it's in the best interest of her party and i think she's also got one eye on afd there because they may be a minor party still with around 10 percent of the vote but they are growing rapidly and the quicker that she can do anything she takes to stop them growing she's going to take it and i think this is a move towards that alfonso do you think uh history will judge uh angela merkel kindly i think it will and i think this is uh, more to her credit like this move like there's really a very short list of politicians that would actually step down and take one from the team. And I think that's what she's doing right now. I think she sees sort of the political situation, not just in Germany, but around the world, and sort of how the rise of the far right can do so much damage. And she is, as Craig said, she 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 is the face of the refugee crisis in, in Germany. And I think by stepping down, uh, she is going to take some of that uh, heat with her so that the other two parties can sort of survive and uh, thrive. Because it's, I mean, they're being they're being uh, losing votes left and right just based on, on on that. Like even even if the AFD didn't win, it was the Greens or the Hesse. So it's like it's not something that she's doing just unilaterally. Or I think this is a very well planned strategy that she has. And it again, more to her credit, we're starting to see like how that this is sort of the longest serving leader, sort of a, our lifetimes probably, and how she is going to the history books will probably be on a positive note. Uh, and as uh, Craig also mentioned, like uh, the the union itself owes a lot to her and her uh, probably no nonsense direct talk, and it's it's going to be really interesting who like what what happens next because the the union is it's facing itself for uh, a lot of headwinds. We'll see like the Italian budget things like that. This is just the tip of the iceberg and what's going uh, to happen. Uh, a, the economy uh, on the union itself it's not. Uh, growing as the central bank would like. There's a lot of uh, obstacles in the way and not having Angela Merkel could probably hurt in some aspects, but it's gonna it's gonna help because it's it, there's some new blood needed at this point. And I think uh, that's, that's what she's hoping uh, that, that will rise up to the challenge. Okay, before we end guys, can we have a, a brief look ahead to next week. What are you looking forward to? Yeah, we summed up most of that already, to be honest. Uh, you talk about the midterm elections. That's that's the standout event to next week. Uh, we've also got the three central bank decisions next week, the most notable being the Fed, but it's more the outlook here that we're looking at rather than the prospect of a rate hike. We've got RBA and RBNZ as well, um, which will be of interest um, at the start and, and towards the end of the week. And then a scattering of data throughout things like UK GDP. But more importantly, again, it's all these political stories. We're not, they're not going away anywhere anytime soon. US-China trade, Brexit, Italy, the list goes on. It's all the same. The, 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 it carries on going. Alfonso? Uh, the same. Uh, just uh, focusing on uh, US elections, the midterms, and the FOMC. Just, again, confirmations of what we've already seen. I don't think the, the midterm election results are going to have that much of an impact uh, in the short term. I think the, the market... Is sort of expecting uh, some volatility there in terms of who is actually leading the House and, or the Senate. So it, it is that un- uncertainty. But once it, that's known, it, it really won't have that much of a direct impact. So the FOMC, again, just a continuation of what the the Fed has been saying all along. And they have the, the numbers to back it up, as we've seen from the NFP report. So it, it, it's all sort of a strong uh, from that side. And yes, it's it's all geopolitics. It's all political risk events uh, happening. And 
just reports and comments from the ongoing stories. Okay, Alfonso Esparza in Toronto and Craig Earlham in London. Thanks for joining us today. Cheers. Welcome. You've been listening to the Oanda Market Insights podcast. Have a very good weekend. Speak to you again next week. From the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am. Listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.